1: real talk about parenting, teaching, and reaching tomorrow's men. We're your co-hosts, Jennifer L.W. Fink of BuildingBoys.net and Janet Allison of BoysAlive.com.
0: Well, dear listeners, we have a special experience for you today. I was recently at a school up in Washington state. And I met Jeremy Day and he told me about his business with Joe Shamanic. They have a podcast and a business called Backcountry and Barbells, which seems like a strange combination, but we're going to find out more about that. And maybe it's not strange, but to me, it was like Interesting. Anyway, they are committed to inspiring people to train, hunt, and live their best lives. Jeremy and Joe, welcome.
2: Thank you so much, guys. We appreciate that. Well, thank here. you.
0: It's great to have you here. So, Jeremy, you are an avid outdoorsman. You are the backcountry of Backcountry and Barbells, and you picked up your first gun at age six, and then actively started hunting at age 21. You're also a husband and dad of three. Tell us a little bit more what? about that, and then we'll, we'll hear from Joe, and then we'll just jump right in, get started.
3: Okay, yeah, so when I was um, six years old, uh, my dad put the first gun in my hand and said, point down there and shoot it. He put his knee in my back, it was a 38 Special, a pistol, and um, put his knee in my back, and I shot, and the gun went up, and he caught it with his hands.
2: Oh, so, wow. Um,
3: that was my first experience to shoot, and and, he, and so he's, he was always, here, shoot this, shoot this, and so I was kind of like his guinea pig, and I think him and my grandfather got a kick out of it, because every time I'd shoot a gun, they'd just start laughing their butts off, because they thought it was funny, <laughs> <'cause> <laughs> how the percussion on those things are, so so we went shooting a lot that was my my dad was a big fisherman he didn't hunt much he did some pheasant hunting here and there he was we would just go shooting probably twice a month and then we were living in Idaho and then we moved to Portland Oregon and then we quit shooting um he quit hunting he quit kind of he just kind of gave up on all the outdoor activities fast forward a little bit to when i was 18 i met my wife we got married at 21. And that's when I started hunting. Then you go to 26. We had our first son. He's now 21 years old and that's Joey. And then we had Antoinette who is 17. Now we have Titus who is seven. So we got a little bit of spread there. I've always been an outdoor guy because when growing up as a kid in, in Idaho and in, in Portland, my family was very very poor so I was basically on the streets all the time so I was out playing in the rivers playing in this playing in that fishing and doing whatever so
2: great
3: it's kind of my little quick story
0: so Joe did your dad put barbells in your hands at age six
3: no
2: No. uh, (laughs) interesting enough I didn't I didn't grow up with my parents which is really interesting Um, I I was a um I think I was truly raised by the village. So my parents had me at 17 and 18 years old and, um, grandparents and aunts and uncles took me in. And it wasn't until about uh, going into high school, things stabilized for me, but I ended up uh, hitting college and playing football in college. Football was my passion as a young kid. So, uh, through football, I was, I was a small kid, but the only reason I got on the field was I found, I did find a gym. We had a really good training conditioning coach who, um, uh, mentored me. I think, I think coaches kind of filled in the gaps where, um, maybe dads weren't there. So, but interesting enough right now, as my parents have matured, maybe uh, at a slower pace than I had, we're kind of doing it at the same time. So we're actually great friends now and um, okay. things, are, things are really great. So there's a, a great relationship there. But um, yeah, for, for me, how I got into the, the barbell side of this was um, after college, I met the right girl. Um, she's in the military. So she's an active duty physical therapist. So just following her around and picking up coaching and teaching where I could um, figured it out but as we had kids I put full-time teaching on hold and actually raised the three critters Uh, (laughs) and while I rate while I was raising my kids I actually got really heavy into CrossFit and had a stint with the CrossFit games with the team from Hawaii and then some weightlifting national championship appearances and um, right now I'm kind of cycling back into teaching full-time so um, as my kids approach school age so um, that's where we sit now and it seems that um Aside with working and raising kids, I always like to do. I've, I fell in love with this podcast thing, and um, in fact, it might be interesting for you guys. A podcast that really got me into this was a conversation between Joe Rogan and Christine uh, Christine Somers Hoff or Christine Hoff. Oh yeah. Um, her that conversation between a comedian and um, you know a feminist. I was just like. This is an amazing conversation. I need to do this, and um, and that, that's where we sit now. And that was that really was. I will tell you, I've listened to that podcast maybe four times. It's it's one I always go back to. I think that's just a great conversation, and it might might bring up some topics that that might be relevant today if if we can. If we yeah, what struck you?
1: What struck you about that one? I'm familiar with Christina Hoff Summers yeah. from her book. What is it, Janet? Is it the War on Boys? Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
2: Yeah, that that book was the, the gist of it, but I, I think the thing about, I never realized the plight for boys, I guess, in school systems. Growing up, or my first jobs were in school systems, in particularly middle school, and you know, it is the middle school boys who are always getting in trouble, and I never, I never once thought it had anything to do with the environment, but then you sit and think about it, those kids are balled up with energy, as me and, you know, Jeremy's running around the woods shooting guns, you know, I'm playing football, you know, getting into trouble, you know throwing rocks through windows, doing those things, whatever you're getting into. But, you know, sometimes it's just there's such a limited outlet for boys in the school system, I believe, to just get energy out sometimes and, and figure out what they're doing and, and to just realize that some of what they're doing, there might be some underlying reasons biologically for doing it or, or environmentally. So it got me to recognize boys might have a, a situation that's it's an uphill battle sometimes in schools.
0: I'd say a lot of times. That's
1: such an interesting perspective for me because obviously, Jeremy and Joe, you guys grew up as boys. You grew up yeah. in the school system. You experienced it firsthand, and now you're kind of re experiencing it as parents. Yeah. Jeremy, what was your experience like in school?
3: Yeah, so growing up as a kid in the school system, it was kind of the same thing. You know, it was in Idaho, a little more conservative, so um, they're a little more stringent. I remember. Um, When I was in first grade I I started a food fight And I had to go to the principal's office He took the paddle off the wall With all the holes in it He told me to bend over, pull my pants down Whooped me three times I never got in trouble ever again In school Really? Never skipped school, never anything It it was like a tune-up it kept me from getting in trouble so going through the school system they said hey you do this and this and this and I followed exactly perbatim what they did and then back then you know that there wasn't this ADD there weren't these labels on children right and kids were able to be kids we went out we played we went back in sometimes kids broke their legs out on the out at recess or what have you and then they went and got casts on and they were back there the next day there wasn't all this you know political backlash or parents suing and this and that i mean Mm -hmm. the society now is just making it harder for people to just be people or kids to be kids
0: i just want to remind our listeners you know that corporal punishment is still legal in about 22 states so Mm. you really do need to know what's happening at your child's school and if that is a method that is being used at your children's schools because it's it's still out there Those paddles with the holes on them are still on
2: the wall. I was never hit with the paddle. I was always generally a... I was a pretty compliant kid and a nice kid. I think what kind of, for some reason, what what got me through it without much of a headache was wanting to please coaches, to be honest. As soon as I got into sports, it was like, hey, somewhere it clicked where if I do good here, I can do stuff over there. And that worked for me. And and I also think that when, I don't know if it's a Washington thing or I don't know if it's a Pennsylvania thing, that's a difference, but I just, I, I felt like when, when I was coming up, there was a little bit more of an elective option for kiddos, even at younger ages, it seems like in this age of standardized testing, um, for example, the school district I just worked in, we're getting done are like, eleventh day of testing and yes. when, when testing goes through this it's it the whole school is pretty much in this weird place for half the day and then the second half of the day we, we expect these kiddos who are just been stressed out of their gourd to then just pick up and then then a lot of times they'll go back to a classroom where then they have to go do Cornell notes for forty five minutes mm-hmm. so it's just like come on gang so even Recognizing that a little bit, I've taken my health class and put it on hold, and we're out doing an ultimate frisbee unit. So I'm taking them right outside to. to oh, thank to, you. To blow Gosh. off some steam. So yes. Um, I think for me, what what I've just noticed mostly that's just an, an interesting thing that I believe could fix maybe school culture is just we saw that Stephanie Kilmer's classroom, Janet. You you posted that picture of the stand up desks, so right? I, I believe we've lost this idea of establishing any form of movement culture with kids when they're in school they're going to sit down and they're going to do math and science sure that's great but man where's where's the opportunity we did a um we did a small project in our classroom where i had the kids define movement as simply standing and then calculate how many minutes during the school day they were on their feet and the kids who didn't have pe Um, they'd be on their feet the second half of, um, their lunch period, which is 15 minutes. And then they'd be on their feet during their passing periods. Yeah. That would be four minute passing periods from before first period to the end of the day. And there's six periods. So that was, um, seven passing periods. So 15 minutes plus four times eight plus 28 minutes. It's not good.
0: Less than an hour in a, what, seven hour day, six hour day.
2: Yeah. It's brutal. It's brutal.
0: I know. Can we do that as adults? I mean, we kind of, some of us do, but expecting that of children who, you know, young ones are, they're basically running a marathon in their bodies every day. They need That's to. Right. And so it is cruel that we're asking them and requiring them and making them wrong, diagnosing them when they can't sit still.
2: In my school system, our guidance counselors will always pass around these little forms and and um, for I, I'm getting more and more, um, doctor referrals, which it seems like they want us to check these boxes. Do they do this? Do they fidget? Do do they pay attention? And, and generally, you'll see that a few weeks after I'll get one of these referrals, generally, there's another slip, you know, so and so is going to be going through this process or be on this medication. And it's, you know, rather than fix it by getting a standing desk or an extra PE class or better food, that the idea is, um, let's let's medicate them. And I, I again that that conversation came up in that in um Christine Hoff's summers interview, and I'm really sensitive to the over medication, over medicating of them as well. I think that, that that's another tough spot that they're in.
1: One of the things that has been so challenging for me, I, I have four boys. They mm. currently range from 13 to 21. So I'm right there with you, Jeremy. <laughs> I have boys. The school system is what it is right now. Mm-hmm. I totally agree that we need some systematic changes. And yet I'm acutely aware that these changes are frankly not going to happen enough, quickly enough to help my sons who are currently going through the school system. Sure. So do you guys have some ideas on things that we can be doing as parents, as teachers, as coaches to help boys function their best? Given some of the things that we can't change right now,
2: yeah. I mean, I think if you're a teacher in particular, you need probably just recognize the situation in my classroom being aware of it at least I start every day with a game for you know that we play a name game everyone when they walk into the classroom they're on their feet for the first five minutes no matter what and no one sits until we'll have some form of a ball toss and then I'll pose them a question that will lead into the activity for the day in the beginning it was we wanted everyone to learn their names and and, um, get some competition we would time them do certain things and then as they've gotten better at that game it'll be a leading question for the day like hey we're right now trying to get the kids even aware of this situation we're ending the school year with a um, if I ran the school project so then I'll submit all these little persuasive letters to the principal at the end of the year they'll sit after they answer it and then they'll begin their prompt so little I think I think little chunking things like that when you notice boys fidgeting and going crazy rather than sit there and bark at them to be quiet um, get the get the class on their feet I mean there's a there's that stand-up kids resource um, standupkids.org is a really cool resource and along with giving teachers great information on writing grants and finding grants to get stand-up desks in your room. It also um, gives you some really cool five-minute lessons that you could use as kind of brain breaks to get your kids active in the classroom.
3: Yeah, and I think on the home front, you know, with your children that are hyperactive or whatever, keep the tablets out of their hands as much as possible until they get older. My oldest son, he's 21, Joey, and my daughter Antoinette, they never had We never had video games at our house. We didn't let them watch TV except for maybe one hour a day, and they had to earn it. And with Titus, we kind of do the same thing, but we're a little more lax now because we're in our mid-40s and we're raising a seven-year-old, so it's, you know, you have (laughs) less energy.
1: And the culture changed. You know, with, there is a digital gap between my oldest kids and my youngest kids. Hmm. Tablets weren't a thing when my 21-year-old was a kid. I, I distinctly remember when we got the first computer where we could watch video on it, you know? It's right. It's changed
3: a lot. <laughs> it's changed a lot. Well, and I've noticed with Titus, you know, We'll let him be on the tablet for an hour. And then when he he's gets off that thing, he has l- lost his dang mind. I mean, he's yeah. going 110 miles an hour. He can't yell loud enough. He can't run <laughs> quick enough because yeah. he was sitting there for idle time for so long. And Titus is a kid with high energy. Joe knows he was his hmm. um, teacher for a while. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I taught
2: Titus for a little bit. Titus, Titus is—I'll be honest—and I think in Titus, in the wrong system um, without the right attention, is a kid that I think would probably be thrown a bunch of meds to just calm him down. Mm-hmm. And like in the past, kids like Titus and other higher age boys, you know, in their little tribe, they'd probably develop their warrior culture to some degree. And then now, being so far from any sort of conflict, and, and actually, I think in going so far to take all conflict out of every situation, uh, boys like that are, they're, they're looked at as bad. They're not just looked at as kids of high energy sometimes.
3: Yeah. Well, and with Titus, Titus is adopted. So he came for, he, he was, there was drugs in his system when he was born. So here's a kid that's high energy, has a dependency problem out of birth, and then you're going to throw medication to him. And then now he's just going to get codependent on some other kind of medication and then it just evolves and then it gets worse and worse as he gets older and older. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm an anti-drug your kid up kind of guy.
1: That's really interesting. I, um, I'm a health writer also. My background was nursing before I moved into writing and everything else I do now. And I honestly don't know how much research has been done or how much we in healthcare professionals know if you have a kid whose brain and body developed affected by substances. What impact does adding, you know, meds later do? Because the brain has developed along
0: a different track. That's... Sounds <laughs> like some research writing there to do, Jen. Doesn't it? Yeah. Just add that to your list. Why don't you? Why don't I? I'll just get right on that, Jen. Okay. I'll have an article done in an hour. no. Yes. Jeremy, I want to talk to you about the culture of hunting because I know as I go and talk with parents and many, many moms are very anti-gun, anti-hunting. There's a lot of concern in early childhood around boys who turn everything into a gun and why is this happening and what's wrong with my child? And so I would love for you to speak to our listeners who maybe didn't grow up around the culture of hunting, and yet now they have a boy who is all about guns. Talk to us about that.
3: Yeah, so naturally, we're just, you know, as hunters and gatherers, which I've heard you talk about in your speeches, that what's it, 99.5% of our whole existence, we were Mm hunter-gatherers. So we have that natural hunt-catch-attack, that game, right?
1: Mm -hmm.
3: And I think what we're finding out now as generations get further and further is that parents aren't educated on hunting, on shooting, on any of that stuff. So if you don't have that education, you're just going to automatically think, because you're watching news, you're going to automatically think that guns are bad and that they kill people,
0: Mm -hmm. which
3: that's not the intention. That's just people with an agenda that happen to have a gun and go out and commit a crime. But with hunters, if you notice, most hunters, they have everything locked up. They are very. They have their guns locked up in one area. Their ammo locked up in another area. They're very, you know, they educate their kids. They let them get out there and shoot them. Because one thing <laughs> Not is- Not shoot
1: the kids, shoot yeah. the guns.
3: <laughs> shoot thank the you. guns, correct.
1: <laughs> we got to yeah. be careful on our, on yeah. our pronouns here.
3: <laughs> yeah, thank you for that clarification. What happens sometimes is you get parents that don't follow the rules, and then they throw- the gun behind their bed is a safety device, right? They use it as protection and the kid gets curious and he goes and grabs it and it's loaded and he doesn't know how to use it. Mm -hmm. And then he accidentally pulls the trigger. But if that kid was educated or even had shot one once before, he would understand the appreciation of the power that this thing has. So with this new culture now, people are thinking guns kill and hunting is bad because you're going out and you're, you know, you're shooting these animals and then they go home and then they have a cheeseburger that they had that got, you know, that they got from a a farm, a beef farm. And I don't know if anybody, I mean, growing up in Idaho, there's a lot of cattle ranches and it's, it's not good how they process this meat, get these animals beefed up. So, you know, there's a huge thing. Hunting is also, it's conservation. It keeps the population down. I mean, right now you're seeing a rise in cougar kills over here in the Pacific Northwest and they're killing people, which is the first time in history. And the reason why is they outlawed hunting with dogs, which is the only effective way to really harvest a cougar and control the population. And now the cougar population is getting so out of hand. that they're hungry. It's really inhumane because now you have a lot of cougars, the males, they they'll chase off the other males and they have a big, they have a hundred square mile territory.
0: This episode is sponsored by ByHeart. Babies need to eat. And whether you breastfeed or
1: bottle feed, use formula, combine all of the above, you need options. We wanted to let you know about ByHeart baby formula. ByHeart has a patented protein blend that gets the closest to breast milk. It includes two of the most abundant proteins in breast milk. And By Heart actually ran a clinical trial comparing their formula to a leading infant formula and proved that babies on By Heart have softer poops, less spit up, and easier digestion. By Heart is also the only US made infant formula to use organic, grass fed whole milk. So if you need baby formula for your baby, consider By Heart. New customers can get 10% off your first order by using code on boys at buyheart.com. That's B Y H E A R T.com slash podcast, and it is 10% off your first order. Buyheart.com slash podcast. This is a limited time offer, and additional terms and conditions may apply. We all know that vitamins can help fill nutritional gaps in our diet. you can receive a free, free three-month supply of Easy Melt Vitamin D3 with your first purchase. To claim your free D3, visit try.easymelts.com slash envoys. That's try, T-R-Y, dot dot com forward slash on boys.
3: So they'll chase off the other males. Well, he starts to get mengy and hungry, and he's going to go into that natural state of mind and attack whatever he can to eat. It's really buries down to the education and proper education and getting the statistics right. And, And it's guns don't kill. It's just, it's, it's crazy people. Yeah. Well,
0: I mean, there is, as you said, there's this whole piece around hunting education. Three out of four of us, I think, Joe, yeah, we all live in the Pacific Northwest. So we are familiar with the interface of animals and people, and it's often doesn't go well. Um, Do you think we don't? do we don't have, have animals
1: in Wisconsin, or what? <laughs> we have cougars out. <laughs> we no, have big um, deer
2: in Wisconsin. I think we, don't you? We
1: do. There are, <laughs> and there's questionable if if those are indeed cougars that people are are seeing in some places. But I'm in rural Wisconsin. We have a huge hunting culture here, mm-hmm. and a lot of it is, as Jeremy was saying, you know, culling the deer and keeping the deer population down. Uh, car deer accidents are. I mean, everybody knows. A lot of people who have hit <laughs> who have hit deer with their cars. It's a major yeah. issue. Yeah. Yeah,
3: and it totals your car.
1: Yeah, it, it does. Out
3: of ten times it totals your car. And there's quite a few deaths more and more now because the cars are getting lower profile, mm-hmm. deer are long legged. Yeah. You hit them on the bottom the hoofs come in through the window and you have to have conservation to help sustain the, that population. Yeah.
1: You know, going back to the, the school issue too, one of the things that I found as a parent of boys is the School culture is increasingly intolerant of guns or gun stories or war stories. I have gotten concerned calls from teachers because I had boys write stories. I got a concerned call once. It wasn't a gun, but it was my kid drew a picture of a shark attacking a surfer. And, you know, she was concerned about the potential for violence in my son. I'm like, it's a picture. You know, there are people who try and shut this down. And I understand none of us, none of us want our kids to become the next school shooter. I get that. But it seems like we have to allow our children freedom to explore their minds and write stories and draw pictures, even if those pictures might involve guns or a dead animal.
3: Right, because it's a type of expression, right? Yeah, it's not that they're going to act on it. Like Joe's saying, you keep these kids in school, you don't let them move around. I mean, you're, you're suppressing them to do things that naturally were not designed to do. Mm-hmm. Well, expression and, and- is a big one.
2: In school, I, th- I think there's a neat opportunity sometimes in school too. Because So for example, even in the school system that I work in, um, I'm working with them right now to bring archery into the school. So we're not going to teach gun safety into school, but I'll be honest, I think the hunter safety gun education course, I, I didn't grow up with guns at all. I'm, I'm very weary of them. And even right now we don't have guns in the house. Turkey that I bagged with Jeremy this year was my first, my first notch tag was actually with his shotgun. So spending a week learning about them, spending a week handling them, them under the guidance of pros who've spent their lifetime using them really gives you a a different appreciation for them. So knowing that I can't do gun safety in the school, I've worked really hard with a group called um, National Archery in Schools Program. And through um, Washington Fish and Wildlife, we're bringing in this really great archery program to our school system. And what the archery program does is it teaches all the safety aspects of it, teaches them how to do this um, competition. And then it it kind of just puts the equipment in their hands and kind of gives them the power to to feel it, to use it and to, to use it under guidance. And I, I really just think that the more anyone gets educated about anything, whether it's guns or whether it's art or whether it's a vehicle. I mean, we have this conversation about guns and, and hunting being unsafe, but how about the fact that How many kids are are dying in vehicles every year because seatbelts aren't installed properly? So education is the power we need in anything, and and even when it's a even when it's something that could be dangerous like a gun or a bow and arrow, I don't think there's really much difference between that and a vehicle. uh,
3: What I like about what Joe's doing with the school system is that it is also teaching safety in a different way. But it's still a weapon. It's they're they're switching that mindset and letting them and teaching them, hey. These are the things you have to think of before you shoot a weapon, right? Because that's what it is. Yeah. There's an interesting statistic that um, everybody remembers the movie Twilight. No. Right? I don't, I don't, well, it, I don't watch Vampire. Yeah. <laughs> what, did you, what was she using? Hey, I've never watched it either. <laughs> what was she using, Jeremy? <laughs> she was using a bow and arrow. Are you and talking about Go ahead, Joe. I no, you're not
2: talking not. about Twilight. You're talking about the uh, the Hunger Katniss Everdeen. You're talking about the Hunger Games. Oh yeah,
3: Hunger Games. Sorry. Uh, Hunger. I watched
0: that. Now it you, all makes sense. Okay. You can tell
3: I watched yeah. them too. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Wherein four adults reveal their uh, disconnect with popular culture.
2: Listen, I stopped watching vampire movies at Lost Boys, so I don't, you know, Twilight films can take a hike. I want my vampires listening to rock music and riding dirt bikes, not being, you know, pale-faced. Vegan types, you know, so you know.
0: Oh, okay,
2: <laughs> we'll work it out.
0: Listeners, take that with a grain of salt. There,
2: yeah, yeah sorry.
1: No, no, we, no. Prob- we probably have a lot of moms who grew up loving those books and movies. So, yeah, yeah. thanks, no. we just lost half our listeners. I'm
3: sorry, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> but after Hunger Games came out, archery all around the, the U.S. went up 50%.
0: I think no. archery is a great skill, and as Joe was saying, you know, there's all these steps and learning safety and learning just the capacity of your own body of right. what it can do. And is it mostly middle school when this is brought in?
2: Yeah. So what 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 NASP does, it's a really cool program. Again, check out the website and ASP. They they have a if if ever anyone's first off, they they do a great job to make it affordable for the program. I mean, we're getting a. We're getting almost six thousand dollars worth of equipment for about fifteen hundred dollars, and that's oh, wow. a lot of the a lot of it through the naspi grant, which is a very easy grant application. So check them out. But our group will be middle school, so we're going to get about twenty-two bows and arrows, ten targets, and a bunch of arrows, and then we just work the classes and PE through. We'll, we'll have it next year. We're going. We're getting the equipment now, so we're getting trained up in June. But yeah, it'll be middle school, sixth through eighth. But uh, the NASPI program, they'll, they'll start. I think that there's a couple elementary schools that even do it, but generally they want them, their recommendations are around fourth grade. What's great, and it goes all the way through high school, and then this this line of archery will fall right in line to something that they can pursue afterwards. So even from a PE standard, it really pushes that, that lifetime of fitness, that lifetime of learning. And, you know, for some of these kiddos, for, for guys or gals who just can't get sit still, it's amazing how focused they'll get with a bow and arrow in their hand. Which is pretty amazing, right? And if you do get into it and give it a chance, archery is, archery is one of those really cool sports that's between activity and meditation. Because yeah, what you end up doing with archery is it's how do I get this equipment to work right? And you find out that it's not so much about what you do, you're trying to do less. So you're trying to build structure to breathe right and to then repeat a process intuitively. And you only build that through repetition, repetition, repetition. And um, it's really neat, man. I've seen a lot of kiddos who just can't, you know, they're balls of energy, but all of a sudden they see the bow and arrow, they're focused right there. And then they get it in their hand. And I, th- I think they even, you know, for all the credit, we don't want to give kiddos. I mean, they're super intuitive, right? From an early age, they they, they know mom and dad are angry, you know, and, and I think kids, if you give them a chance, and you give them the right procedures in your classroom or in your home, I, th- I think they'll get it sooner than you think they will. And, and yes. I've seen it with these arrows and, and the yeah. bows. And it's, it's pretty neat.
1: You mentioned, Joe, that coaches were kind of a lifeline for you. And yeah. we talked about how mentors can be a helpful thing for people. And sure. you talking about archery and hunting is another option for that. Obviously 100%. different kids have different interests, but... Some of those kids that you introduce to archery through the schools, they may find this is a thing for them. Sure. And there are archery clubs. There are, near us anyway, we have a, a group of gentlemen that run an archery club and they love it when kids express an interest and they're more than willing to help them develop their skills. A lot of times through um, hunter safety and gun safety programs, there are you know, older hunters who are paired with younger kids. So it's another option for your kids to make connections with people who can role model and teach them and just be another part of the village
2: it's a balance to the way I like to do my classes. I mean, cause when I, when I get hold of a PE class, it's high energy. It's it's let's run, let's jump, let's play. Let, let's let's build this sweat. Let's work hard. But with archery, it's a different kind of way to place your energy too. It's that kind of focusy, slow it down. Let's be methodical about this. And it's a fun thing to learn. I, th- I think it provides lots of balance and that, that idea of reaching out outside of your community as well. I mean, it, it's, it's it's just one more thing, and I think I think maybe we can probably all be in agreement to this. I think probably the best thing you can do for any kid is just to expose them to as much as possible as yes. early as possible, and let yes. them let them sort out their own interests.
0: Yeah, Jeremy. I or, yeah, I want you to talk about what happens out when you're hunting for oh, yourself, like and in your relationship with the people you're hunting with. Maybe it's father son. What talk about that because I think there are, I'm kind of imagining the scenario of the wife is at home. This might be really stereotypical, but wife is home, husband, oh, he's going hunting again. And (laughs) You know, what, what does that do in your inner life and how do you come back a renewed or a different, with a different attitude?
3: Yeah, that's a great question. So with me, hunting and with anything that you do, I'm always big on, there's there's always preparation, right? So you prepare to go out into the field and hunt. People think hunting, they think you're out killing. But really, 99% of the time, you're just out in the woods and you're enjoying nature and you're sitting there like if I was, when I take my son, we're just out there, we're looking at, birds we're hearing things we're seeing things you never do you're smelling things you never really do and it's just it's all fresh air it's it's nature and it's you and if you're with your son it's the two of you or your hunting party against the elements so there's that that challenge right you you look at look at the mountains in over on the west coast you know we're blessed with high big mountain uh, mountainous mountains right so you got to look over and you see a ridge system Two over, and you say, Well, we got to get there because that's where the animals are. So now you have to trek through to get over down to a ridge that could be 2,000 feet up, 4,000 feet down, and 2,000 feet up. So there's all these challenges. And with that challenge, you're sitting there in the case with the son, you're walking through it, you're helping him out, you're mentoring him, and even with hunting partners, like with Joe last year, was his first year hunting big game in the West Coast. And you're you got to look for this sign. You got to look for this. You got, I mean, it, it it turns into a huge game and at the middle of the day, you sit down, you pull up a tree, you take a nap, you listen to the birds, you take your shoes off, you enjoy time together. There's zero stress. Most of the time there's no cell service. So you just have this great camaraderie with your friends, kids, and and then when you come back, I, I always just feel whole. I just feel, geez, I'm, you know, as in God's creation here, I is able to enjoy it in its whole entirety. In the city, I mean, it's back into the car, it's up it's yeah. and go traffic, it's, mm-hmm. you know, it it's, turns into me- pure mayhem.
0: I feel relaxed just listening to you. About
3: that. <laughs> well, well, I was going to do all the bird chirps and all that stuff, but I thought that would kind of get weird. Break can out you, a break out one of your calls, Jeremy. Can can you can do that. Yeah,
1: do well, one, Jeremy.
3: I don't Come have on. any calls by me. They're they're oh. over in the <laughs> in the garage. I have them oh. locked up. No, just...
2: locked
1: up <laughs> <laughs> but, you don't uh, want the kids getting hold of those <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> no no
2: no if, if if i could speak to what jeremy was just talking out too like you know we, you have this he brought up this idea of being against the elements but it i think it's also important that you know those elements also provide a lot of things for us you know I'll I'll speak to one that I think's pretty underlooked or maybe not thought of, the idea of vision. You know, we, we live this in this day and age where we're here now with this screen and you see it more and more. I mean, um, I think it was Jen or Janet brought it up earlier that there's been a digital gap. Well, even in the five years I was out of teaching and coming back, that these phones just being in the kids' hands is crazy. I, I was not ready for that at all, but it's been a big deal. But you know, that idea of being six inches of sight into like this three inch screen, it's not really good for our eyes and we're losing some ideas of depth perception. It's not good. So even just getting outside and, and learning how to look at vast landscapes, I mean, I think it's an opportunity to balance out what your kids are looking at and what you're looking at. So, So the health benefits are, are pretty enormous to just spending quality time outside, whether it's vision or or helping boost your immune system by by breathing in the different critters that are around you, I mean we want to talk about you know having allergies a lot of i'd be one to think that it's because you're pen up in a in a vacuum sealed home all the time as much as and then all of a sudden you're going out outside where microbes are are in the air everywhere, so I think a little bit of exposure. Um, is super important. If you're not used to being out skied for a seven day weekend, just start with taking an hour nature walk. You know, once mm-hmm. a week, and then build that up, and that then
0: seven day weekend. Joe, I like that idea. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No. I want I, one. That's yeah, a new thing. We're we're yeah. implementing that starting right now.
2: Well, that, that's why that's why Elk Camp was set up. You know.
0: Okay. Now we get the
3: <laughs> secret. Yes. Well, and if you notice when you take kids out into the well, I've noticed over the years when I take my children out into the wilderness, it's amazing how they'll go two steps and they see like the smallest thing and then they have to fidget with it. And then they go three steps and fidget with that. And then they're exploring, right? And that's what we're missing in children today. They don't get that opportunity to go out and explore and have fun and enjoy the nature.
1: When my kids were little, I actually thought it was far easier to parent them in the woods, (laughs) Yeah. whether we were just out for a nature walk or camping than at home. Because in the woods, I don't care, get as dirty as you want to get wet. And they, they could keep themselves busy in a natural environment in a way they often couldn't. In a house with, you know, all the toys known to mankind. There's just something about being out there in nature. And I think you're right. Sometimes you have to baby step to it, right? If your kids are not used to being in nature, you're going to have to start small and work your way up to the seven day weekend.
2: But get there.'re It's a weekend, man. <laughs> it, is, it is scary, but there are some great spots called um, the Hudson Highlands Nature Center, and what it was was this outdoor trail area where they, they taught kids about nature and all these different things, but they had this great playground that was made from natural timber. Oh, I love it. And, and then kids were painting with water and slate, and then there was a mud pile. It wasn't like the current playgrounds you see, yeah. the super color and plastic. Because if you notice, those kids, will, kids will, my kids at least, they, they go into these playgrounds, and then five minutes later, they're bored and want to go somewhere yep. else. Every time we went to the Hudson Highlands Nature Center, we could we could be there for an hour, we could be there three hours. It was always us pulling the kids out.
0: And we put all, all of these links will be in our show notes. Jen's so good at keeping track of I'm all taking of that. notes oh, as good. we oh, talk.
3: Okay, cool. Yeah. So, well, Jen, you brought up a point about kids getting dirty and, and having fun and doing that. And I think that's what's we're lacking in the society now is that everybody's such clean freaks that and then their kids get dirty and they're like, Oh no, no, you can't get dirty, you can't do this. Yeah. And then they wonder why their children and everybody at the house is always sick.
0: Yeah, uh-huh.
3: is because yeah. they're not out there, you know, building that immune system.
0: So tell us how our listeners can find you on your podcast and your website.
2: Go uh, backcountryandbarbells.com. dot Yeah, you can find all of our all of our social media, all of our episodes. Uh, the project's pretty new. The general gist is not so far off of conversations like this. It's it's tr- how do you train? How do you hunt? And how do you how do you live? And, and we just put this kind of, we put our own little twist to it, um, where we, we kind of bring in hunting and training experts, and, and then we have back and forth like this as well. So yeah, that website backcountrybarbells you can find everything.
1: Thank you so much for joining us today, you guys. This has been a lot of fun, and I know for myself, and I'm sure for you as well, Janet. It's nice to talk to other people who are doing the same thing from different angles, and we're all working to raise the next generation. And want these to be incredible human beings. Thanks for joining us. We are Jennifer L.W. Fink and Janet Allison, and we are here to support you in parenting and teaching tomorrow's men.